thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Oh, Lord, when we don't deserve it. Lord, when we're not worthy of it, yet you are so gracious to us and so compassionate, Lord. Oh, how can we be anything but thankful? How can we do anything but say thank you, Lord, for saving our soul? Oh, shakayaboko so tayaboki. Hallelujah. 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 Praise your name. We praise your name. I love her energy, and I loved her spirit, and I hope you felt the presence of the Lord. I certainly did every time I listened to it. And you know, <laughs> I think it's good for us to shake things up once in a while and do something a little different, and God created every style of music there is. He gave it, so I think he was blessed by it as well. You can be seated. But the point is that because I'm physically here, I said, Lord, I'd still like to take a little bit of a mental break and, and you know, maybe, maybe do something different. So I picked out something fun to do today. Nothing, it was a Bible quiz. I mean, nothing bad or unusual. But Monday morning, I got up and I was praying. I said, Lord, it sounds fun to me, but if this isn't what you want to do, then give me the word that you would have me to present to the church. Well, guess what? He did. And I'm going to be talking to you about that this morning, what he put on my heart. But right now, Don, if you want to come and take, this is Mission Sunday, and take the tithe. Um, offering, we'll do that, and then we'll move into this word. This morning I have three things I want to tell you about. And as I said, this was not what I had in my mind, but this is what the Lord put in my heart. I want to tell you about a prophecy, a prayer, and a praise. You may remember a few months back, we had a minister. He sat right back where Sharon is sitting this morning, Pastor Michael Galletta. And I told you that he's also my hairdresser. He's a, he and his wife are dear friends in the Lord. And when I go there, we have the best time in the Lord. While he's working on my mop of hair, he just... We're praising and praying and laying hands on each other, and it's just wonderful to have such a, such a unique relationship with the person who does your hair. And this particular week, two weeks ago, he said, well, what's going on in the church? And I said, well, we've been really busy. We're focusing on getting some much-needed maintenance work and 
things that needed to be taken care of outside the buildings and inside the buildings, and he said, like what? So I began listing some of the things that we've done recently. Repairing roofing leaks, improvements to the parking lot, having the sign fixed yet again, that's why that great big machine is sitting out in the parking lot today, securing the integrity of the basement walls that were so damaged by water, removal of dead and diseased shrubbery, and the trees that were here that housed rodents and other disgusting things that were coming in the church, and trimming every single tree on the entire property, including the parsonage property, and they look so beautiful, just wonderfully healthy and, uh, you know, trimmed up now and so pretty. Repairing all the broken down fences. You know, when you have a property, things happen and you have to maintain them and you have to watch out for these things and, and when they break, you have to fix them. And much more work that is still in the planning session to do. The sound system, Don mentioned the pews and the carpet and the hymnals. I have not forgotten the hymnals, but guess what? I found a new one and I just ordered it and I may like that one best of all. So we'll, we'll look at that again. So as I'm saying all these things, Pastor Michael stopped and he came around to the front, to the front of me and he said, Oh, Deb, oh, Deb, he calls me Deb all the time, and he said, I feel the Lord. He's saying something, and it's prophetic. He's saying that you're taking care of the outside of the buildings and the maintenance and the structure, but in reality, what you're doing is preparing for the spiritual outpouring that God will be pouring out in this coming months in this church. So while you're continuing getting all of these things done and taking care of the physical needs that need to be addressed, pray into what the Lord has to put in our spirits, to what he has to move into the search, into the services and the people that come in and out. He said, because mark my word, it is coming you're preparing the way just like John prepared for Jesus. I was crying and praising and he's wiping color stuff off my face while we're, while we're enjoying this moment in the Lord. And I want to tell you I have been praying and I so appreciate those that come early on Sunday morning. As I said, the doors are open around Nine o'clock, I will still have to do music and, you know, maybe go through my notes one last time. But prayer is going on in the mornings, and I appreciate that so much. And we just heard two weeks ago, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to us and said, I am God and I change not. We have that promise. And he will pour out his Spirit. It is in his Scripture, 
in the last days. Will you rejoice for just a minute of this prophecy? I accepted it, and I took it into my heart. And I do pray that the Lord will prepare us as a people, as a building, as a structure for whatever he brings our way. Amen? And now a prayer, if you would turn to Job 22. And this dovetails right along with the prophecy that I just shared from Pastor Michael. Job 22, we're going to look at verses 27 through 30. You will pray to him, and he will hear you. And you will pay your vows, meaning you will remain faithful and true to God. And you will also decree a thing, and it will be established for you, and light will shine on your ways. And when you are cast down, you will speak with confidence, and the humble person he will save. He will deliver one who is not innocent." And he will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. The New, Trans the New Living Translation says, You will pray to him, he will hear you, and you will fulfill your vows to him. You will succeed in whatever you choose to do, and the light will shine on the road ahead of your path. What is this prayer telling us? If people that we know are in trouble and you just say, Lord, help them, God will save them. That's what the scripture said, that he will deliver the one who is not innocent, a sinner, not someone who is a believer. He will deliver them because our prayer, prayed with clean and pure and holy hands and heart, will cause the heart of God to move in such a way that faith is built in us. I know that we have no shortage of those who desperately need God. But do we have a, short of, a shortage of unconditional faith in God's power to rescue them? Or do we have a shortage of our own willingness, our own effort, and our own time spent asking God to help them? Or do we even have a lack in our own life of purity before God that would prevent us from asking him for anything? For it says, because of the cleanness of our hands, that he will do this. Just like the prophecy that we just heard that dovetails with the Spirit of God being poured out, like it says in Joel, God says that if we will pray, we will ask him with pure hands and a pure heart, he will cleanse even the unclean. If you look at the last chapter of Job, you don't have to turn there for I'm not going to read it, but I want to refer to it. God tells the friends of Job, you know the story, 
that because they spoke wrongly of God and his motives towards Job, that they must go offer a sacrifice to him before his servant Job, and that Job would pray for them, and that God would accept Job's prayer for them. So after Job had lost everything he counted dear to himself, he made a prayer to God, a sacrificial prayer. It wasn't about himself. It wasn't about everything he had lost. It was about the friends. And in doing so, in the obedience to God's word for him to pray for the friends, God restored all of Job's losses. And he restored them doubly to what he had lost. The scripture even records that the beauty of Job's new daughters exceeded all the other, all the other beauty in the land around about. And I chuckled when I read this because I thought, you know, we can't really assume that Job's first daughters were ugly, but we have to be thankful for the beauty of the second set of daughters, just the way my crazy brain works, I guess. But the point is, like Job, we too, in this place, are called to be a safe and secure refuge. God identified Job to his friends as the place they need to go and sacrifice before him his clean servant. Can't you just imagine when people come in here, God has said, okay, you, 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 you be the refuge. You'll be the safe and the, the, the place that people can come in and they can find Christ. They can grow and they can experience the Spirit of God being poured out in this place. And finally, a praise. And stay with me, this is a little bit hard to, to say. I never bring you something that is regurgitated from someone else. I have said this before. I always make sure that I've spent time before the Lord. It may not be very earth-shattering or whatever, but it is from the heart of God. I can assure you of that every week that I come up here. But I want to repeat something I heard another preacher say and tell you why I'm sharing it with you. It really struck me. It's not new and it's not radical, but hopefully a thought that brings clarity and light as it did to me when I heard it. He was talking about how faith comes and prayers that move God and prayers that don't. And we were just now talking about having the faith when we pray for our friends that God touches them and moves his hand in their situation. We know that the scripture says that faith comes by hearing the word. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word by the word of God. 
And his point was this. The entirety of the Bible is the logos of God. It is the word of God. The whole entire thing. It's where we're introduced to God. It's where we're introduced to Christ. But it isn't the logos of the word that speaks to our hearts. It's the rhema of the word. And I looked up what this meant. I've heard this for years. You've heard this for years. But why did it minister to me now? The rhema of the word is different than the logos. As I said, the logos is the entirety of the whole thing. But when you read a passage and it literally jumps at you, and it is, it is an utterance from God to your heart. It is an utterance from God's spirit that lives in this logos of the word. And it connects with the spirit within you. That is the rhema of the word. And that is the word that is spoken in Romans 10, 17. It isn't the logos that's talked about there. It is the rhema of the word that causes faith to come and faith to build. It's when we hear that utterance with our mind and our ear, our spiritual ear, and our heart hears the implication of that rhema word that builds faith in us. Strong's Concordance defines it as an utterance or an implication of a matter or a topic. So while we're reading the logos, the whole thing, you can devour the whole thing if you want to, but here's the message. Listen and look for that rhema that speaks to your spirit in your mind because it's the work of the Holy Spirit that causes that rhema word to jump out and mean something to us. It implies life to us. It is he that quickens that word to us in such a way that causes it to jump off the page. See, I said it's not new. But the Lord just lit me up with this. And here's why. Because for many years, as I said, I've heard this. But I ignored this teaching. I didn't want to listen to it. I kind of shoved it aside because it was birthed, so to speak, and so prevalent in a certain faction of Christianity that I felt had done so much harm in the body of Christ. And I'm not going to say more than that. But I want you to know something. I have lived this myself. I've sometimes I'll read, you know, a good amount of scripture and 
It's great. It's wonderful. The word says, hide your heart and I will hide your word in my heart that I won't sin against you. Great and wonderful. But it wasn't the rhema. It wasn't the word that the Holy Spirit had targeted for me for today that would say, here's what I'm uttering to your spirit. Here's what I'm implying that I mean for you and for your loved ones that you are praying for. A few weeks ago, Lori told me about markers that she got for Christmas. And they don't bleed through the pages of the Bible. Jim had probably 25 highlighters in his office, maybe more than that. I gave away boxes of them, literally. And those were the only ones I had that, that do bleed through. And I don't like to use them, even though I do like to mark my word. So I ordered those, Lori, and I love them. They do not bleed through at all, and yet it causes that rhema word to be permanently marked in your word, in your scripture, and you can go back to it. And I have a notebook. When Katie and Morgan were young girls, probably 11, 12, 13 years old, these are my oldest granddaughters, for those that you don't know, and they were in Sunday school here. And I don't know who the teacher was, but whoever it was, I didn't bring them this morning, handed out little composition notebooks to all the kids and had them write as a journal every Sunday morning. And I found them in Jim's things. I don't know where he got them, I, I have no clue where these came from, but I found them in his things, and I kept them, and I almost felt a little bit guilty, <laughs> like I was reading their diary or something, because it was, some of it was personal, but realized they were 12-year-old little girls, and Morgan was probably, I don't know, 10, maybe Katie was... 13, 11, something like that. I think they're three years apart, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, they were so indicative of who those kids are. Now, Katie, if you ever hear this, <laughs> I love you with my whole heart. Katie's was, oh, I like this boy, or I want to talk to this boy, or when are we going to go do something fun? And Morgan's was, I want to find God. I want to know God in my heart. I want to know how to know God more and better. And it just blessed me so much to have. There was only four or five pages written in this whole book, and I ripped them out, and I put them in a, a, a sheet saver, and I put them in my file drawer to keep forever, where I also have pictures of beautiful gowns that Morgan drove, uh, dress gowns that Morgan drew when she was a little bitty thing, four, five, six years old. I have a whole stack of them, and I put them all together in my file. 
So those composition books are my primary notebooks. It's where I write down the rhema words that the Lord speaks to my heart. Because I can tell you, I can tell you where in the Bible it is, I can tell you where in the page it is, but the location always skips my mind. I have to write down the reference of where it is. I know the book it's in, but I often forget the actual location and when I want to go back to it, then I have to search all over again to find it. But if I mark it with these markers, I mark the rhema word that spoke to my mind and my spirit, and I write it down in my notebook that these little girls wrote in when they were young, impressionable hearts. I have it permanently in my file, but most importantly, in my heart. And that's what I want to tell you this morning. The rhema word is what brings faith. The Bible said it comes by hearing the word of God, but not just the whole. It's the special one that he's targeted for you today. And I hope that you can find your own rhema words. You know, it's not about the number of chapters we read every day or the amount of time we spend in reading the word, but it's finding the rhema, the gold nugget that the Holy Spirit would draw us to. I told you it's not new. It's not earth shattering, but it's of him. It's spoken of him. Will you stand with me this morning? Father, we're thankful for the worship this morning. And I pray, God, that you bless that young lady that is the, the worship leader of that church. I pray, oh God, that you would meet every need in her life. I pray that you would meet the need of the church people, Lord, the pastors, all of them, and bless them for allowing us to be blessed by them today. And Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts of the prophecy that Pastor Michael gave and how it will become real in the months to come, Lord. How that this place and these people, us, Lord, just little old us's, oh God, can be used by your spirit to help build and help develop those who come to Christ and need a safe place to park their hearts and learn of you. Lord, and I pray for our friends and our family like Job's, Lord Jesus, that we do take that time and that effort, that we pray for them in such a way, Lord, that they are cleansed by the pureness and the purity of our hands. And Father, the rhema word that you speak so clearly to our hearts, if we will just look for it, if we'll pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us to it, Lord, you do it because you care that we listen and we hear the utterance that your word is speaking to us. 
Father, I pray today for every one of these precious people. Some are driving, Lord, I pray that you keep them safe. Pray that those angels, oh God, go with them as they travel. I pray, oh Lord, for those that are starting a week on Tuesday, for tomorrow is a holiday. Bless it. Bless it with your spirit. Bless it with your rhema word, Lord Jesus. And we ask, oh God, these things because we have faith in you, our God who changes not. And we ask it in your precious name, Jesus, Lord and Savior. Amen and amen.